Star Wars 7x7 episode 1796 today. The first of three conversations we're going to have about the book ILM Presents Making Solo a Star Wars Story by Rob Bredo. And today we're going to be talking about the pre-production phase of the book. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode where we're going to talk about making Solo a Star Wars story. Some crazy behind the scenes details, stuff that really kind of blew me away from the Making Solo a Star Wars Story book from Abrams Books. And thank you very much to the folks at Abrams for sending me a copy to check out. And, you know, I warned them... <laughs> in advance that with all the stuff coming out of Celebration Chicago and all the interviews that I was doing that it might be a little bit of time before we got around to this conversation they said hey that's perfectly fine and as you heard from the interview in yesterday's episode which actually was conducted on April 11th the book was just coming out it was just debuting at Celebration Chicago when Rob Breda was there not just for the book but also you know for business and for pleasure as well because there were a lot of awesome things that he gets to check out just as a you know regular person like us with his wife with his family you know all that good stuff but as far as the ILM Presents Making Solo a Star Wars Storybook goes, well, there are a few things that I wanted to share with you, at least about the pre-production phase for today's episode so far, that I found particularly remarkable. And like I said on yesterday's episode as well, if you were ever exposed to the art of books, like the art of Star Wars, the art of Empire, the art of Return of the Jedi, so on and so forth, that was sort of my first introduction to all the behind-the-scenes magic that goes into movie making. And making Solo a Star Wars story really brought that experience back to me, and I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about it. But what's also really amazing about it is seeing just how the filmmaking process has evolved over the years. And one of the things that really brought that home to me was probably what is the biggest part of the pre-production phase of the book, which is photos and information about the mountain range where the Vandor train heist takes place. So the Italian Dolomites were the mountain range that they selected for you know, being able to model and set up this train heist scene. And in order to do it right, well, you know, you can't just build a train through the Dolomites. But what they did was they took a helicopter and they made dozens of passes through the Dolomite mountain range and took high resolution photos photo after photo, like thousands of photos, so that they could digitally reconstruct this mountain range, like actually build miles and miles of mountain range inside a digital environment to recreate it so that way it could be as realistic as possible when it showed up on screen. And so even just if you were looking at this book as a nature perspective book, the shots that Rob has in this book are just astounding. And seeing the lengths that they go to to get all of this footage and get all this reference material, it's just mind-blowing. It really increases the level of respect that you have for the, the people behind the scenes who are helping to create these amazing spectacles that we just get to sit in a darkened room with some pop corn to watch. I mean, the lengths that they go to to create these spectacles is just 
absolutely astounding. And what also comes out of it is some very interesting stuff about how the story was developing as well. For example, there are a couple of instances that Rob shares about how the script had initially described one thing happening and ultimately for you know, practical reasons, they couldn't carry it off. For example, the scene of Han and Chewie taking a shower together to get all the Mimban mud off of them in the AT hauler. Well, initially that was going to happen on Vandor and it was gonna happen in a very cold lake where they were just gonna be surrounded by snow and ultimately getting into a snowball splashing fight while they were having their bath and getting the, the mud off them. But as it turned out when it was time time to you know, film for this location, the lake was frozen solid. <laughs> and so they had to pull a bit of an audible on that and create the situation where they had the shower scene instead. So that in itself is is just kind of amazing to see how the practical world of you know what you encounter on location ultimately ends up changing what you're able to do in the scripting of the movie. Additionally, they had these buffalo-like creatures that they called Kodyaks, and you know, who knows about the pronunciation, where that was what Han and Chewie and Beckett were gonna ride on the side of the mountain to be able to jump onto the train. So it was gonna be a real train heist kind of situation. Very old Western style, like riding horses to be able to jump onto the train. But ultimately it was just too complicated to figure out as far as you know, making it work and making it work for the screen. So that's another reason why the scenes played out the way that they did in the actual movie. And speaking of things that could have been, I have to say another one of the things I'm impressed about with the book is that they don't try to whitewash the fact that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were initially a part of this production, right? So there are photos in the pre-production section where you get to see Phil Lord and Chris Miller at the Savak table and examining some of the creature development things that are happening. And yeah, they could have easily said, yeah, we don't want to include any photos where Lord Miller are in there. We don't want to talk about their involvement. And, you know, let's just focus on what the end product was, right? But they didn't do that. No, they actually let it happen. They said, yeah, here's where, you know, Lord Miller were at the table and here's where they were seeing what Neil Scanlon for Creature Effects was presenting to them as possibilities. And that is really awesome. It's a level of honesty that you know, they could have easily just said, nah, let's not do it. And it's not like it would have been dishonest, but you know, it wouldn't have been a complete record of things in its way. So I'm very glad that that level of completeness was present in the book. And there are a couple of other elements that are already developing in the book that I think are very cool as well, which kind of make it different from your traditional making of book. And I'll share a couple of those elements with you right after the break, so stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser, if you've got a business that needs to reach a dedicated audience of Star Wars fans, or you know somebody who does, then you might want to reach out to me. <laughs> I've got a show that reaches thousands of people between the audio version, the video version, and our social media channels, and I'd love to find out how I can help you with your business ventures too. Just reach out at sw7x7.com sponsors, that's plural, S-P-O-N-S-O-R-S, that's sw7x7.com sponsors, and let's see how we can work together. Welcome back. 
So as opposed to Rob Bredo writing this whole book, he actually intersperses it with interviews with other people who were critical to the making of the movie. So for example, there's a spread where he has an interview with Young Lee, who is a second unit action arranger, and also Jamie Wilkinson, who is a prop master for the movie. And the conversations talk about respectively, the attempt to film some of the elements of the train heist at Dunsfield Aerodrome, which is in England, and that they couldn't ultimately do what they wanted to do filming it there, so they brought it on to set, but that that's where they gathered some reference material for what they needed to do in the actual filming of the actors at speed. And then Jamie Wilkinson talking about ferrofluid, which is this fluid invented by NASA and how they filmed it and recorded those things and took that and put it on an iPad and then designed you know, lenses to put over the iPad to give it a certain curvature. And that's what the coaxium was. The coaxium was basically this ferrofluid that they were able to physically control and animate and record that and then play it back on iPads with special curved lenses over the top of them and that you would see in these containers. And so Rob Bredo is making these particular bits of movie magic available to us as well in the book. And it's pretty amazing. And that that's going to do it for today's episode. So thank you so much for joining me for this one, as always. And may the force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.